John Malzer here, John the Viking with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is um, Jed Napalm Johnson. Uh, how are you doing today, Jed? Oh, dude, I'm doing great, man. It's good to be on your podcast. I'm excited and I appreciate you having me. Oh, yeah, no problem. I've wanted to get you on here for a little while, um, talk about some grip stuff and some other things. Um, let's yeah. uh, let's get to know you a little bit. Um, how long you been in the in the strongman and the grip game and strength sports in general? Oh man, I I got involved in grip training and strongman, and I I believe like the end of two thousand two. So I started doing things like card tearing and nail bending, and I found out about grippers and things along those lines and different feats of grip strength in two thousand two. And then uh, I, I started training strongman uh, for competition in 2003. So all those things kind of worked well for one another. So I was able to focus on grip, strongman, and strongmanism all at the same time and continue to see good results in all of them. And I continued doing strongman competition until 2006 until some back injuries caught up with me and I stopped that but I still do grip and uh, a little bit of strongman feats every so often okay very cool um I think uh maybe what you're most known for is the diesel crew um can you tell us how that got started and and, uh, maybe a little bit of the history there yeah absolutely so I met this fellow named Jim Smith back in 1996 probably and it was when I was still in high school he was training at a very small facility in a garage at a chiropractor's office and I joined the gym in order to work on my arm strength and my uh, core strength and things like that for baseball so eventually he and I began talking every so often he would help me with some training and things like that we didn't start training together though until i would say 1998 after i came back from my first year of college and we became consistent training partners almost right away especially in that summer following um we we would train five days a week we had a, a at first it was the initial focus was just muscle building and getting stronger then we we started training uh power lifting movements and eventually over time we picked up on olympic lifting movements so we had a really good base of strength for power lifting and olympic lifting and then in uh in 2002 2003 that's when we started training with odd objects and and strongman sport so he and i we we got we got a hold of some video cameras and i think i think maybe i just asked my parents for a video camera when i was when i was in college for my birthday or for christmas or something because one of my friends had one and they were doing like jackass uh style stunts like they were going down hills and shopping carts and stuff like that they were videotaping everything yeah (laughs) so i wanted to be able to do something like that with 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 training because back then you're looking at you know this probably 
at the latest it was 2001 and nobody really had a video camera we didn't have cell phones back then they sure as heck didn't have video cameras on there so it was harder to to film everything a lot of times if i wanted to film something i would have to use one of those big vhs cameras that were like holding a suitcase on your shoulder a lot of people probably have never even seen those but that's what i started out with and then I got, uh, you know, I asked my parents for something, ended up getting a camera, and we had that camera. We would take it to the gym in the early 2000s. We'd film stuff. I bought a a really cool computer with, like, advanced video editing uh, capabilities, and we started putting out videos back in, like, 2003, and we were one of the first websites to have any videos up up on our site. So we, we would put them up there for people to download and we'd have to continually keep upgrading our website capacity because we were overwhelming our bandwidth with how many people were downloading our videos. And then I think YouTube eventually came along in like 2006, so that made that a lot easier. But uh, Jim Smith and I were diesel crew uh, for for several years. I think, I think the site went up in 03 and then he eventually did his own thing uh, in 2010. So we were we were a, a prime unit for, for about seven years. Wow, very cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing, um, man, Diesel Crew, uh, I probably first saw you guys 10 or 12 years ago, maybe. Um, I happened to see uh-huh. a promotional video where you guys had went to, um, I think it was Drexler, is that right, Drexler College? and uh, did something with their wrestling team. And I remember thinking, man, this is really cool. And you guys had some uh, some products available on the uh, website. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we started out with stuff like advanced kettlebell training techniques, uh, which was kind of a lot of unilateral and dynamic and ballistic movements that most people wouldn't have ever tried with kettlebells. And probably most people don't know about them now. Um, we, we came up with some movements back then that Pavel Satseline, who was at Dragon Door at the time, ended up using and crediting to us as um, basically inventing them. He had never seen them before, so he incorporated some of those into the actual RKD training manual back in the day. And I think what it was, when, when we were working on DieselCrew.com, we just constantly were feeding each other with new ideas and then we would feed off of each other and produce even more new ideas and it ended up being a really fun combination and uh, I miss those days because back then we also had a bunch of other dudes training with us and that's why the website is called dieselcrew.com instead of just like diesel.com because we had like a whole group a whole team of dudes that would get together and train yeah, that's very cool. Um, I think that uh, that team mentality helps build, um, you know, a, a, a lot of strength. A lot of people don't have that. Um, you know, you have uh, any of the really uh, successful gyms like Westside and things like that. They have that team mentality and they feed off of each other. I think it's pretty important if you can build that and you have that as an opportunity. It makes a big difference in your training. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I remember. <clears throat> We had this one guy, Eli Thomas, that trained with us, and once he once he got out of high school and started eating, 
uh, he he really blossomed as a strength athlete, and he became stronger in me, stronger than me in many ways. So that was really beneficial to finally have someone that was able to push me, and it helped me out big time for my drive because I've always been better when I have someone else that's better than me, stronger than me, smarter than me, makes me work harder. So that was that was really cool during that time. We'd also travel all over the place. Um, I think probably what you saw was uh, where there was a video where the strength conditioning. Uh, department from Drexel came up and trained with us and it was about a six hour day. We ate breakfast together we trained we ate lunch together and then I think we trained some more so that was a huge day. They came up to visit us but we used to drive all over the place we would go to clinics, we would go visit people on the weekends, we would do strongman training I remember going down to the Reading area and training with a guy named John Menino who was extremely strong and at uh, at strongman um, would go all over the place in order to meet people, learn from them, really invested a lot of time and money and travel and being away from the family and things like that. And that's, you, you really have to put in that kind of commitment in order to, to get good and continually improve, I think. Very cool. Um, so are there, are there, is the diesel crew website, it's still up and running, right? I think the last time I looked, it was still a thing, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's just me running it now. Um, I actually just worked on some, a, a new post on there today, and <clears throat> I don't put out as many posts on there. Or in the last couple of years, I haven't put out as many posts as I used to. But I'm starting to gain some more momentum with that. I try to get something on there like every week, and I'm doing more. I, I've always done tons of videos on YouTube. I have Q and A videos. I have training highlight videos. I have you know documentary style videos things like that on my youtube channel but i haven't i haven't always been good about bringing those over to the dieselcrew.com website so i've been working on that more now in order to to get some more momentum going with that website because i let it go for a while cool. but yeah it's definitely still up i invite everybody to check it out so you have your hand in a lot of stuff then because you're doing um so you have the diesel crew website and uh, and there's still products available on there. Um, like that's where your uh, some of your your PDF downloads, like your sledgehammer workouts and stuff, come from. Yeah, that's right. I um, there's uh, that's another thing I could do a little bit better is getting all that a little bit more organized. But yeah, I sell I sell all kinds of different DVDs, uh, digital videos that are just streamable off a website. I have PDF products, eBooks, programs, coaching. All those things, yeah. All that stuff is available from the site in one one way or another. And then um, on top of that, you have uh, the the grip authority. You're in charge of that page, right? Yeah, that page is is mine completely. That is that is a website that is dedicated to my instructional products for grip, and then also information about training for grip feats and uh, grip competitions. And uh, I try to get something up there, at least one or two things every month on average, and sometimes quite a bit more from that, more than that. Uh, but I've got everything covered there. There's sports-specific grip training for like baseball and basketball. There's strongman feats, strongman sport information. 
there's grip competition. I mean, even even things like card tearing, phone book tearing, pinching 245s, uh, thick bar training, things like that. All that is is on there. That site's been up since 2010, and it is loaded with information. I think last time I looked, there was something like 400 or 500 individual posts on that website. All of them are instructional in nature. So it's not just training highlights and things like that. Every feature on the site that's been added is instructional in some way. Sometimes it's a Q&A. Sometimes it's a, a video analysis for one of the members, um, a how-to type, type of deal, something you can do for advanced uh, training, how to improve on a given feat. Maybe there's a certain aspect of a feat of strength that people are having trouble with. So I've gone uh, gone over that, phone book tearing, horseshoe bending, all that stuff uh, is covered. Cool. And I, yeah, I've seen there's a lot of information in there. That page has been around for um, for a number of years, right? Yeah, I, st- I put it up in 2010, and for, I mean, easily all the way to 2016, there was probably an average of three or four new items added every single year. So um, if we look at six years times 12, that's, uh, what, 72 times two or three, you know, you're looking at uh, probably two or 300 items just in the first six years. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a low estimate. Another thing that I did for the longest time was workouts of the month. So if, um, if customers were, were asking about a certain type of training, maybe, uh, maybe improving their two hand pinch for grip sport, then I might put together a workout of the month that would be focused on two-hand pinch in order to bring that up. And that might be a workout that you would do once a week or twice a week. And the idea would be just to improve that lift. So if you wanted to put focus on something for a month, that workout of the month could be something that you could do. Or if there was something that you wanted to add into your training, maybe it was you wanted to lift the inch dumbbell and maybe it wouldn't be a new workout of the month, but you could always go back in time and look at the old stuff. Because once you remember, you get access to the whole site. So you could go in there, you need to bring up your Rolling Thunder, or you want to work on lifting the inch dumbbell. There's things in there that you can access specialized to that goal. Yeah, it seems like there's a, a lot of information in there. Um, now, you said you have to be a member. Can you tell us, uh, like, what do you have to do to uh, join the Grip Authority? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's actually really easy, so you can do a few different things. First off, you can – a monthly membership is just a dollar to begin. And like I said, you get, you get access to the whole site. There's a bunch of free products in there as well as all the monthly features that I've added. And then it's $17 a month to stay on. So um, a lot of people do that. They go month to month. There's also a year-by-year membership. And I believe that's – I want to say that's about $127 for the year. And then you can also get lifetime membership and you only pay one time and you're always a member. You never get booted. And uh, I don't remember what the price is there, but all of those payment options are right on 
the front page of thegripauthority.com. And usually what I do, actually, every time I get a new member, I send them um, I send them the same letter asking them for what their primary goals are. Because usually, you, a lot of times I see, for instance, people want to do the Crest to Dust Challenge. So I've already got information up there about Crest to Dust Challenge. So when they send me their goals, I can send them links right to the the some of the hard-hitting posts that are focused on those goals, and they can get immediate benefits that way just by accessing those features that are on the site. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that seems pretty useful for anybody that's interested in any of that stuff. I mean, you have the information laid out um, right in front of you, and then I think um, other members can post in there as well, right? Well, I don't have a forum, but I do have you do have the opportunity to make comments and then they're they're made live and then you can have a discussion that way the other thing that i have is a group on facebook it's a closed group i believe it's yeah it's a closed group and you can you can get added to that on facebook and you can interact with other members that way i had to take my form down because it didn't get updated at first and it ended up being a, a security liability for me I, it kept getting hacked so I just kind of took that off because not a lot of people were using it anyway. Cool. Um, so you mentioned uh, uh, online coaching. Um, a lot of people don't may not know, but uh, I'm actually one of your clients. And uh, yeah, buddy, we've been going for what uh, five months now, I think. And, yeah, four or five months. Yeah. And um, I, I love it. Uh, it's it's been phenomenal so far i've had a ton of prs and and just we're just at the three month mark i i did the uh philly arm lifting um competition at the odhaugen classic and I, I hit several prs there and then continued to do so in training up to this point um why don't you tell uh tell our listeners uh, a little bit about that like uh, what all that entails and and what you cover in the online training yeah absolutely so the way that works is you can go month to month on that as well, and that's 125 a month. Or you can go quarterly, and that is, I believe, 299 per quarter. And the way that it works is, when someone joins, I will automatically schedule a 60-minute consult with the person to find out more about them, their training history, what their goals are, how many days a week that they have to train, and we'll gradually start mapping out over the course of that call the best type of program for them. I found that even experienced individuals, um, it requires that kind of investment of time at the beginning in order to see where they're at in, and then be able to write a program that matches their needs. And then from there, after that consult, I'll map out the, the training program as far as uh, on a weekly basis. So I can generate a plan for the first week of training. I send out a document, a Word document with the plan on it. The client then will go through the week of training. They will, they will document their results on the Word doc and send me the results back. From there, I can look at it and I can make changes for the next week. I find that this is the best. Um, in, in, in trainings such as with powerlifting, most people have pretty good form and they're able to do the lifts 
the way that they need to. So it's a little bit easier with powerlifting or just muscle building to map out a program for multiple weeks. But when I tried to do that for grip sport, I found that a lot of people, for instance, didn't didn't know enough about the, the gripper technique. So I would put out you know, a plan to gradually increase in grippers over the course of a few weeks. And I found that because their technique was lacking so, so badly that there was no way they would be able to increase at the rate that I suggested. So instead of trying to map things out like that ahead of time, I just went to very early on, I just went back to a week by week basis going on this. I think I started this in 2013, if I remember correctly. And um, I found that it, it worked out a lot better going that way because we could iron out the, the technical flaws and then it all, it doesn't take a ton of time to update the sheet each week, but it, you know, it is a, a decent amount of time, but it's not nearly as bad as trying to map out several weeks full of training all at once only to find out that um, they don't, they don't know how to set the gripper or they don't understand proper mechanics when doing like a two hand pinch lift or their form is off with the rolling thunder, things along those lines. So it works out better just to go slower in that regard. And I've seen most, almost everyone has had better results that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually, um, I do uh, online training um, and in-person training myself. And um, uh, with the barbell lifts, you know, your squats and, and deadlifts and overhead press and bench press or whatever, um, it is fairly um, common and fairly easy to, you know, map out a 12 or 16 week program and, and the progression work out pretty well. But even with um, the strongman stuff like stone lifting or, or like a Conan's wheel or something along those lines, I think it is easier to send out week by week. And, um, and that's actually what I do. I just send it out week by week because there's so many different things in strongman and, and if you're switching those up very frequently you have to stop and make sure they're doing it right and they have to send you videos and you have to give the feedback and everything so i think right. with, with any of the odd lifts you know i think it's it's just way better to go week by week yeah i agree i definitely agree and um you know there's always the there's always the person that comes into the program and you could think based on what other people have done in the past, you might map them out over a course of a few weeks and have them progressing at a rate that's too slow for them. Because what can happen sometimes, especially with steel bending, as I've seen, is sometimes once they figure out the technique and everything clicks, they're able to blow through uh, levels of steel that you wouldn't have expected. And uh, so so there's, there's a, a lot of value there in the video analysis part of it and having people uh, just just shoot their common lifts, like maybe an axle lift or a rolling thunder lift, or just take a picture of how they're holding on to a hub because if they're doing it wrong, they're gonna hold themselves back. So that's, that's another thing that I've learned over the years. Gotta be able to see what they're doing in order to help them as much as possible. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's change gears just a little bit. Um, now you're in charge of, uh, it's, um, North American grip sport. Is that, is that the right name? Yeah, it's North American grip sport. Um, we're, we're actually changing that to grip sport international as we speak. So, but in the past it was North American grip sport and I started it, but 
I can't say that I'm running it. I think it's more of a team effort. I have a bunch of guys that work with me, and uh, you know, I've I've always bounced ideas off of them and things like that. And having a team, I found, has always has always been helpful because I might think one thing is the way to go, but after hearing someone else talk about it, I realize that there's uh, more than one way to skin a cat. So it's been great working with uh, with the people that we have now. I think we're making some real good real good steps. We're getting some traction and and we're growing. And we just had the North American Championships two weekends ago in Elmira, New York, and that went really really well. In fact, I would say it's probably the best I've ever seen the two hand pinch go in a in a grip contest. It only took us about seventy minutes to get eighteen competitors through on two different implements so it, it worked out great but yeah it was called north american grip sport and uh we're switching it over to grip sport international as we speak so um to my knowledge and i might be wrong there's there's basically two big grip federations um right now and that's um the arm lifting which i think is run by odhaugen and then um then you guys right yeah that's correct and um so I believe I believe what happened was when Ode took an international trip to the arm lifting championships a year or two ago, he wanted to try to bring that back and get it going in the United States. And uh, the main differences are that the implements they use are primarily iron mine implements, whereas North American Grip Sport has always used a variety of implements from many, many different companies, including IronMind. So we've used, uh, for instance, grippers. We have a we have a complete set of grippers rated from 80 pounds to 210 pounds on the RGC device, and they're all grippers from the same company. So you don't have to deal with the company to company differences and the variances that you see. Um, so that was something that we have. We use we use things from the Fat Bastard Barbell Company, uh, Barrel Strength. Um, uh, let's see, some of my some of my stuff is used uh, at at Diesel Crew, uh, Arm Assassin Strength Shop, things along those lines. And and, and what it does, what it does is there's just there's just more variety in in grip sport instead of the arm lifting. Uh, so there's there's more events, there's more individual events per competition that you'll see in a larger variety over the course of, if you look at like two or three contests, you might see, you know, a handful, a small handful of events that are done at all those competitions, but you'll also see like two or three handfuls of events that are different in each competition. So to give you an idea, at Nationals this year, we ran block set grippers, we ran two-hand pinch lift, we ran Napalm's Nightmare, we ran uh, a medley, which a medley is something that you'll see in grip sport, but you almost never see that in arm lifting competitions, and then a wrist roller, which I've never seen in any of the arm lifting competitions per se, it's always been the, uh, the grip sport competitions. So what's the difference? There's not a lot of differences, there's some differences in the root but basically it comes down to you're trying to lift something that is somewhat awkward or somewhat it's going to test your grip strength you're going to be limited by how strong your hands are so that's what it comes down to 
Um, now, from what I've gathered, uh, just on my own research from um, North American Grip Sport, it seems like um, you guys really uh, pay a lot of attention to detail on the certain lifts, and um, you've went really above and beyond on, on how to judge these things and how to pick lifts that are, um, you know, to make it uh, more fair for the competitors and a lot easier to judge. Um, would you say that's the that's case? That's correct. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we, we've gradually gone away from most lockout lifts. So some lifts are, the, the way that you get a legal lift is you have to lock out at your knees, hips, and shoulders, just like a deadlift, okay? The problem there is with grip, when you're, when you're generating so much tension, especially in one hand, you end up where you can't lock out completely. So it becomes very, very difficult for the judge to call a lockout. And a lot of times when you analyze video of a lift that is called legal, uh, whereas the, the, the referee says they locked the lift out, in reality, they probably didn't. It looked like it to the referee, and maybe their maybe their movement stopped at some point, and they held it at a point. So it looks like they locked out. But if you have a video angle from the side, sometimes it can be very, very clear that that didn't happen. So instead of requiring lockout in a lot of our lifts, what we use is a height gauge. So if it's an implement such as the inch pinch from Arm Assassin Strength Shop. That implement is attached to a loading pin, and then jutting out of the loading pin is what's called a knock bar, and it will, as the, as the loading pin is lifted, the knock bar will hit a crossbar at a given height. So for the inch pinch itself, you have to lift the implement six inches, and then you have to control that implement back to the ground. So there's still an element of control there. You can't just lift it and let it rip out of your hands. That, that would indicate that you lost control of the implement. So instead, you would pick it up, you would hit the knock bar under the crossbar, indicating the six-inch pull, and then you would have to lower it back down in a way where you don't lose control of the, of the device. And that's, that's, I would say that's probably one of the biggest differences between grip sport and arm lifting is that almost all of arm lifting is lockout based for the for the things where weight is added to the implement. Yeah, I think that's a big, um, you know, that's a big thing not just for the judges, but a really big selling point for um, you know anybody interested in grip. I think, um, like you said, with the lockouts, even even in strongman and uh, and powerlifting. Maybe not powerlifting as much, but definitely in strongman, since you only have one judge, there's been a lot of um, you know close calls with lockouts and stuff, and there's a lot of there's a lot of debate about that these days, you know, soft knees and whatnot, and um, and, and that's what they're focusing on in, in those events is just standing up with it. So anybody can imagine if if the grip is the limiting factor and you're really cranking on it with your hands, it's going to be much more difficult to attain the the lockout because you may not even be thinking about it at that point you know that's correct that's correct um so uh one thing um before i started training under you and uh before i officially met you um 
I've, you know, I've ran into a lot of people that knew who you were and talked about you and stuff. And one thing people always talked about was when they'd see you in competition and they would always say, that guy's really intense. <laughs> ah. And I'd say, what do you mean? You know, like, well, you just have to see it. <laughs> and, uh, when, when, uh, when we went to Philly, I saw, I saw some of that. Um, so tell me about that. What, what, uh, what fuels that intensity when you're out there doing this grip stuff? Well, you know, I've always competed at something and I, you know, I played baseball since I was, I think eight years old. I played it all, all through high school and even played a couple years at college. So I've always had that, that desire to, to compete against other people. And my dad was always involved in baseball pretty much so he kind of kept me under wraps if you will because i can be very emotional and literally like lose my composure if i get upset so he was always like you know calm the hell down or something like that he was like the you know he was was like the restrictor plate on me yeah so (laughs) The difference there would be as I was playing basketball in middle school and high school, he wasn't on the team. So you would see a completely different person on the basketball court from what you would see on the baseball field because he just wouldn't let my behavior that I would do in baseball or basketball. He wouldn't let he wouldn't let my behavior in basketball take place on a baseball field. Um, these days, you know, I I guess it's it's something where. You know, my, my, my workouts can be pretty insane. Like, I'll, I'll just attack things and, you know, I'll, I'll try something 10, 20 times in a, in a workout in order to try to lift, lift the blob a certain way or do a certain feat with uh, the blob, for instance. Uh, but the main thing is it isn't, it isn't necessarily about winning the competition. It's about doing better and competing with myself. So it helps if there's somebody there that's close to me because now not only I want to beat myself, I want to beat them too. And as far as I can remember, there's never been a time where I was like a dick in a contest, at least not to other people, unless it was something blatant. Like there's been times like with the lockout calls that I've been turned down on a lockout and it was awful close, if not a lockout when I reviewed the video and then have something else where another lift gets okayed where (laughs) there ain't no way that it was locked out. So that kind of stuff sets me off sometimes, but those are very, very few and far between. That's probably happened twice in all the years that I've been competing since 2003. I don't know where it comes from, to be honest with you. I guess I just I just really love grip. For whatever reason, I really love it. I it's it's something that I will always do, at least, but in, the, in along the way of attaining marks and feats in grip. Whether I always compete on the platform in grip, eh, I don't know. But I just love it so much that I want to do as well as I can. So if I do screw up or fail at something that I should have done, I I do get pissed off at myself. So 
But at the same time, you know, I'll do a contest sometime where I'll be laughing and joking and, you know, smack talking with, uh, with people and, uh, I'll throw out challenges to somebody just, uh, this past February, um, got to a point in the competition where one of my main, uh, opponents in the competition was Storm Cellino, who happens to be one of the best arm wrestlers in the United States. And it was his first grip contest, but you know, I started to get a little cocky, so we started we started smack talking a little bit, me and Storm. And I don't know him that well, but I think it went over pretty well. I think it ended up being kind of entertaining and, and things like that for for the for the people watching and the other competitors. Um, I do have a a huge interest in professional wrestling, so. I've watched it since uh, probably 1991, 1992. So there's a little bit of uh, an entertaining aspect to it because a lot of grip is is really boring. Like people walk up there, they stroll up there, they reach down, they grab it, they pick it up, they set it down, they walk away. And I'm not like that. Like I'll clap my hands and I'll get dust on my hands and clap it off and make a lot of noise and I'll grunt and bark and uh, I'll scream woo and things like that. And uh, I find that I guess by doing that, being loud and being vocal, I'm able to loosen up a little bit more and I'm not as nervous because I go into things a lot of times and I know that I've put a tremendous amount of work into preparing for the competition. I want to do well and a lot of times I get a little anxious about it. So I guess, I guess that's a part of it too. If, if I, if I stay stuck in my skin completely, I don't think I reach my potential on a day. I got to open up a little bit. And the way that I do that sometimes is being loud. So I guess that's where the, where the intensity comes from. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the, uh, pro wrestling. I had a feeling that that played into that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I put in, uh, I put in a video for the first Tough Enough that uh, WWE, WWF at the time, uh, ran on, I believe it was on MTV. Uh, it was called Tough Enough, and they were going to select someone out of a nationwide uh, tryout. So I put a video in, didn't get selected or anything like that. But, um, you know, after 2006, when I had all my back injuries, it was, you know, prior to that, it was always in the back of my mind, maybe one day I'll try pro wrestling. But in 2006, I I had so many bad back injuries that I was like, man, I don't think this is ever going to happen now. And as it turns out, there was there was literally a wrestling school about an hour and 15 minutes from my house that whole time. And I easily could have gone and trained when I was, when I was a little bit younger. Um, but at this point, after finding out just how much skill is involved in the... I'm going to say choreography, but I guess maybe uh, a nicer word would be planning and technique, technicality. I didn't realize that all that was in there, and I think I think it would take a long enough time to learn all that. That it would. I'm already 39, and to learn all that, plus be able to recover from the all the bumps and the bruises from pro wrestling, I just don't think it would go well, and I would end up being disappointed. And it's just like golf. If uh, I've never played golf more than two or three times, and I wouldn't want to take it up as a hobby because I would be so obsessed with it that I'm afraid it would take away from everything else that I want to do in my life. Uh, same with arm wrestling. I probably have a decent 
foundation of strength for arm wrestling based on all of the grip training that I've done. And I've always tried to keep my shoulders strong and healthy. So I think probably I could be okay at pro at on uh, arm wrestling, but I've never gotten into it just because a, they would require, you know, that obsess obsessive compulsive personality of mine to switch from grip primarily and go to that. And then I'm also injury prone. So I'm sure if I were to jump into it like everyone else does, I would end up with elbow injuries and things like that, tear a biceps, uh, rip a rotator cuff, something like that would go wrong, and then I wouldn't be able to do any training, and that would really piss me off. So grip sport it is, brother. Grip sport it is. <laughs> Wasn't uh, the first season of uh, Tough Enough, Was that the, that was where Maven won, right? That's correct. That's uh, it was around 2002. Um, let's see. I either put the video in in 2000 or 2001, but uh, I graduated from college in 2001. So, you know, it was that it was that timetable. Well, well, you were the better pick than Maven. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had I think I have a little bit better mic skills than Maven. Yeah. I believe that was one of the things that held him back. And also, I believe he got in trouble allegedly with the with a wellness policy or whatever was going on at the time and that's certainly something that wouldn't ever affect me because i've always been lifetime natural strength athlete so they really missed the mark john they, they missed the mark they could have had somebody really good they call me napalm because i used to set my hands on fire at parties in college so i would take the i would take the alcohol-based hand uh disinfectant i would put that on my hand light it on fire with a with a lighter and then some dude would come over and put put a towel on my hand to to kill the fire and knock all the oxygen out so my last time doing that they waited just a little bit too long i had taken a few shots of jägermeister and i didn't give them the signal so they didn't they didn't know to put the towel on me and I, I, was, I walked out of there that night with some marks on my hands, some blistering. But uh, that's that's where the name Nahalm comes from. Yeah, they totally missed out there by picking Maven. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> um, so uh, usually um, towards the end of the podcast, uh, when I have my brother on here, we, do, we tell a story from our pro wrestling days. But... Uh, I'm not going to tell a pro wrestling story today, uh, although it will involve. Why not? Well, it's going to involve a little pro wrestling, but um, you had brought up. Okay. You brought up earlier that uh, some of the people in your neighborhood were shooting um, jackass videos, and you had the giant uh, video cameras back then, right? That's right, brother. Well, it just so happens that my brother and I had one of those giant, <laughs> giant video cameras. You know, you'd set it on your shoulder, and it was the size of like two VCRs back then. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, we would film. Um, we would also film Jackass videos and uh, and backyard wrestling with this giant video camera. And yep. um, there was one time where we took this video camera and. Um, I don't know if you if you did you ever have one of those? Yeah, that's what we started out with, man. My my parents used to film like our birthday parties and Christmases and stuff with one of those gigantic cameras, and I ended up taking it because I wanted to copy some videotapes 
some uh, pro wrestling videotapes that some dudes have. I have a tremendous library of VHS tapes. So I wanted to hook that up with my TV-VCR combo in order to replicate some videos. And what that turned out or turned into was I kept that video there the whole entire year of my senior year. And we, we came up with the Sherwood Street Wrestling Federation. And we would jump off the... We would jump off the couch onto one another, hit each other with chairs, things like that. And, of course, setting each other on fire. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so the one thing about those video cameras was the the battery pack. It always attached to the back end, and those batteries would That's go right. bad very quickly. Like, everybody back then would have to buy a new battery pack or they'd just have to get rid of their camera because the battery packs were just garbage. Well, our battery pack was useless, so we went out and bought one of those uh, like hundred foot extension cords, and, and that's we would we would run it outside when we would film and do stuff. Well, my brother had this really great Ultimate Warrior costume, and he would paint his nice. face, and he had the boots, he had the tassels, the whole nine yards, and uh, we bought a plug adapter. For the cigarette lighter in my um, my 1986 Pontiac Trans Am, <laughs> and we drove to a, to the Sheets in Buchanan, West Virginia, and uh, the Sheets hadn't been there but maybe a year. I think this was back in like 1998 or nine or something. And uh, so we plug in this camera into the adapter in the car and leave the car running, and I run up to the door of the Sheets. And my brother's girlfriend at the time also runs up to the door with a boombox and hits the Ultimate Warriors music on the boombox. <laughs> and my brother comes running through the parking lot dressed as the Ultimate Warrior. I throw the yeah. door I throw the door open and he runs up and down each aisle like the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. for whatever reason sheets management did not appreciate this <laughs> and the woman jumps the counter from behind or from behind you know behind the counter basically does like a loop duke slide over the counter knocking stuff into the floor and tries to tackle me and take the camera out of my hands <laughs> Uh, long story short, this, this is perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> long story short, we 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 make the escape. We run back to the car and reel in this hundred foot extension cord, and make our getaway. And uh, and then we continued to drive around for the rest of the day and go to different businesses and release the ultimate warrior. <laughs> wow! So tell me, you still have escapes, dude. Tell me. Yeah, I was gonna say somewhere out there, uh, probably in my parents' basement. <laughs> these are these are all on VHS, somewhere in a in a giant oh. box. <clears throat> That's perfect, dude. I mean, they make converters now. You can pull that video off of those tapes with those on YouTube, man. You're probably sitting on, you know, preferred partner program uh, status on YouTube and lots of revenue. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we did. There's, there's got to be hours and hours of uh, crazy VHS footage from where me and my brother and our friends just did crazy stuff. Nice. <clears throat> um, so, in closing, is there anything you'd like to uh, 
you'd like to, to mention or um, or bring up, talk about? Yeah, maybe we can just talk about uh, some of the resources that are out there. First off, I have a I have a YouTube channel that's youtube.com slash Jed Johnson, J-E-D-D-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. So it's all one word there. You can go check that out. And I've got videos on everything, man. Most of it's grip, but there's strong man on there. There's feats. There's powerlifting, muscle building tips, uh, Q&As, all that stuff. And that's all free. Uh, Dieselcurr.com is free. And you can check that out. There's over 800 posts on there. And then if you're really serious about grip, then come join thegripauthority.com. Like I said, it's only a dollar for the first 30 days. You can join, check it out. And then when you see how awesome it is, then you can just cancel that and get the lifetime membership. And then we can work together for perpetuity and eternity. Cool. Yeah, and I've checked that out. Um, and and it, there is a lot of information on there. You could you could spend, you know, probably a solid year, several hours a day looking through there and probably not dig through everything. I mean, there's, there's a ton of good information on there. And... Uh, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words about it. I've put a lot of work into it. And, uh, you know, there's um, since 2014, all of the grip products that I've put out were free on there also. So uh, prior to 2014, I probably put out about 20, 25 different products of various nature. And then anything that's grip or strongmanism style training, old time strongman, all that stuff that's, that gets put on the site too, and it's totally free. So there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to joining. Uh, not to mention the fact that if you send me a video, I'll analyze it and put it up on the site and help you with your form on whatever the, the grip lift may be. Cool. And uh, one last thing before we go. So you're, from what I can tell, you're top top ten, if not top five or top three in almost every grip lift in in arm lifting and uh, grip sport. Um, so what are your what are your goals right now as far as grip? I mean, what are you looking to to do in by the end of this year or next year? Okay, so what I want to do is the first I guess the first contest or competition goal that I have is the King Kong of Grip takes place the last weekend in October. I'm not sure what the date is, but it's definitely the last weekend. And I won that competition in 2015. I want to win that again this year. So I've already been begun training for that, for that now. So I want to win that this year. And then I don't have any competition goals after that at this time. Um, there, there is going to be another grip contest in December in Crooksville, Ohio. It's called the Group Miss Carol, and that's run by – uh, a man named Chris Rice. It's going to be the final grip. It's the last time it's ever going to take place. So I want to do well there. It's a record breakers competition. So I'm not sure what I will do there. But, um, you know, obviously if I go to the competition, I want to win. So I was, I was lucky enough to put everything together in the right way and was able to pull out a victory in Philadelphia at the arm lifting meet. I didn't bother competing at nationals this year at NAGS. So the, the next the next goal for competition wise is going to be King Kong, and then this year I'm also training to uh, perform a, a a clean of the inch dumbbell. So if people don't know what the inch dumbbell is, Thomas Inch was a performing strongman in the late 1800s, 
and he would take uh, a series of challenge bells with him and challenge people to come out of the crowd and lift the, the inch dumbbells. So the most famous inch dumbbell is the one that weighed 172 pounds, and its handle is just a shade under two and a half inches in diameter. So it's kind of like a soda can that you're squeezing, and the dumbbell heads are globes. And it's all one unit, so when you pick it up, those globes start to rotate, and it causes the handle to roll in your hand. And because of that, it's very, very hard to lift up. So what I want to do, I've, I've, I've been able to lift it and carry it like on a farmer's walk for many, many years now. Uh, but the one thing that has eluded me is the clean of the inch dumbbell. So I want to be able to pull that to my shoulder. And that's one of the things that I'm working on this year as well. Um, I got some other grip goals as far as with grippers. I'd like to close the number four gripper with a deep set. I just haven't pursued that very hard this year because I've had a couple uh, hand injuries that have kept me from really performing well on grippers. And then I also have a block weight. I mentioned the blob earlier. The blob is a half half of a 100-pound York dumbbell from like the 70s or 80s. And uh, it's, it's just a style of dumbbell that doesn't come out anymore that's kind of pill-shaped. It's got like uh, rounded edges on it, so it's hard to lift. So I'm I'm one of the best at blob lifting in the world, uh, and what I'm going for now is, so the blob is half of a 100, what I've got is half of a one, 140, or 135, I don't know, it's called blob father, that's all I know, <laughs> and uh, I can't think of what the actual dumbbell is that it comes from, it's, it's a York legacy belt, but I can't remember how heavy it is, to be honest with you, I'm drawing a blank, I think, I think it's 135. Yeah, anyway, I'm, sure. um, I'm looking to lift that this year as well. So pretty lofty goals, but this year it's mainly been feats that I've been training on after several years of just winning competitions. So that's what I'm looking at, dude. <clears throat> Very cool. Sounds exciting. We'll be pulling for you at the um, the King Konga Grip. Um, <clears throat> If you like what you heard today, um, you can follow uh, Jed Johnson on his YouTube page. Um, also check out the Grip Authority, Diesel Crew. Um, Jed's also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, do you have a Twitter, Jed? Dude, I have Twitter, but I haven't used it in probably a year, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go chasing down any information from me there. <laughs> yeah, I'm about the same. Um, and Jed will also be out here in Morgantown, West Virginia, at Viking Performance for the Viking Halloween competition in, um, I believe that's the first weekend in November. Um, I'll also be here for that. I'm competing. There's a double overhand axle deadlift competition, um, state records, and... Uh, Maybe national records are on the line there. Is that right? Yeah, it's an officially uh, officially sanctioned contest through North American Grip Sport slash Grip Sport International. Um, so the the results for the axle lift will be put into the top one hundred database. So if they, that's another thing that people can check out. If you go to gripsport.org, there's not a ton of information there, but there is a top one hundred list that you can go to. Go to the bottom of any page and you'll see the top 100. You can click on that and you can uh, use the drop-down arrow for any any event that's on there and you can see the top 100 lifts that have been done, the top 100 athletes in that ranking. So the, the axle 
competition that will take place at that Halloween event, those results will be entered into the North American Grip Sport database. Very cool. So uh, Jed and I and a bunch of um, strong men and women will be there, uh, you know, for that event. And that's also the Halloween event. So all competitors will be in, uh, will be required to wear a costume. So that's a real great competition to come out and watch. Um, check us out there and, uh, you know, follow me at John the Viking on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, that's it for today. Get strong or die. <laughs>